0: Welcome to Ruth, our second week of Ruth, our meeting together. Um, We're doing Ruth 1, 1 through 8 today, and um, we're going to open in prayer. Father, we just thank you for bringing us here today. We just pray the word would come alive. Make it come alive to us. Make it come alive, Lord, and help us to be uh, just not only hearers of your word, but doers only, as James says. And Lord, I just love you and praise you and thank you for this time and for technology, getting your word out. and. I just ask that you would uh, empty me of me and fill me with your Spirit, that I may overflow with, um, just spill out your truth, and what I've uh, planned to say. If it's not of you, take it away. And what you want me to say, put it, put it in, Lord. And what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. For Jesus' name, Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beauty of doing a small book of the Bible is that we have uh, time to read the scriptures that we're going to be studying. That particular day. And so today our scripture is Ruth 1, 1 through 8. And I'm going to read scripture first and then begin. Ruth 1, 1 through 8. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Limelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take her back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. God's holy word. As we stated last week, Samuel is credited for writing Ruth. It takes place in the time of judges, again, probably during Gideon's time, as the famine was quite severe. It was a time the scripture states that everyone did fit in his own eyes. That is exactly what Elimelech did by leaving. We are told right away that Elimelech, a man from Bethlehem, which is house of bread, ironically, in Judah, and his wife and two sons went to live for a while, meaning to turn aside and to sojourn as a guest. Essentially means to live among people who are not one's own blood relatives. In the country of Moab, which Moab was a descendant of Lot through his incestuous relationship with his older daughter in Genesis 19.36. They were Ephraimites of high standing from Bethlehem from a leading family of Israel and more than likely began their married life in comfortable circumstances. Doesn't life have a way of dramatically changing either by our own choices or our circumstances that are beyond our our control? Interestingly, on a side note, Elimelech was the brother of Salmon who married Rahab the prostitute who was Boaz's mother, making Boaz Elimelech's nephew. Interestingly as well, in Micah 5.2, we're told referring to Christ, but you, Bethlehem of though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me a ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Obed, who we will discover will be Ruth and Boaz's offspring, was born there as well as King David. The man's name in our story was Elimelech. That means, God is my king. His wife's, Naomi, means pleasant one or my joy. The son's, Malon, means sickness or invalid. (laughs) And Kilion means pining and consumption. And I don't know if they were sickly little boys or what, but their names certainly did point to that. As stated, there was a, a severe famine in Canaan. The land was once overflowing with milk and honey was now struck by God in judgment of the Israelites because of their sin that had turned because of their sin the land had turned from a land of plenty to a land of scarcity there was no food a fruitful land is turned into barrenness Matthew Henry writes to correct and restrain the extravagance and wantonness of those who dwell in it oftentimes when things are going swimmingly well we fall from from um, following hard after Christ and give ourselves over to our sinful natures. And this was one of those times when the Jewish people did this and God was correcting them for it. The move of Elimelech with his family from Bethlehem, the house of bread to Moab, waste and nothingness. Moab means waste and nothingness. How poignant is that? It was about 30 miles on the other side of the Jordan. It seems there was plenty in the country of Moab when there was scarcity in the house of bread in the land of Israel. Elimelech's care to provide for his family and his taking his wife and children with him were without a doubt commendable, but, and this is a big but, it's hard to justify moving to the country of Moab on this occasion. The Israelites were now settled and ought not to move to the territories of the heathen. What reasons did Elimelech have to go more than any of the others of his family and other neighbors. Why was he the only one that decided to do this? Why did he leave others behind? They left God's provision and protection when they did so, when they set out for this pagan culture of Moab. God tells us he will provide for our needs. Psalm 91 tells us, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord... Well, what will I say of the Lord? Let me say, let me go back here. I will say, the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God and in my trust. Surely He will save you from the fallish snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the Air that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will, will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 34 tells us, Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weary and weak, hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. (laughs) Psalm 37 says, I was young, and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever, for the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. Again, in Psalms 84, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the Valley of Baca, that's the Valley of Tears, they make it a place of springs. The the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. And then in Matthew, Jesus tells us, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? Isn't it so human to be like a limeleck and take things into our own hands, to not be content with God's provisions, to kick against his best? Think manna in the complaining, Israelites in the desert and God's response, to let human reason trump God's leading. Wrong. It is folly for us to depend solely on the world and our own limited thinking. So many of us are too quick to jump out of our circumstances that are not of our choosing, be it jobs, towns, churches, relationships, or whatever. This is not to say that God never wants us to move on. Yet it is crystal clear He wants to direct our paths, continually direct them. In my faith walk, I have found it extremely helpful to wait on his leading before I jump ship. His timing is generally much slower than my own, go figure, as I am obviously a hard nut to crack. Scripture tells us in Proverbs, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I love the I wills and the alls that are in Scripture. Trust me in this, the best place to be is in the center of God's will, mature and fully assured, just as Epaphras prayed for the church at Colossae. Even if the circumstances may not be of your choosing, God desires for us to be mature and perfected in Christ and allow circumstances to fulfill His glorious purposes, which, by the way, are always for our good and always for His glory. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect, as Paul tells us. In Colossians, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, and we should be, too, wrestling the same prayer for our families that they may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Robert Morgan, and they probably came from the wonderful book, uh, The Red Sea Rules, Uh, these, these few quotes that I have. I'm not quite sure if that's true, but I think they are. We mustn't doubt in the darkness what God has shown us in the light. He says, Whenever I haven't known what to do, I've just tried to do what comes next, to take the next logical step by faith. I've decided that sometimes plotting is better than plotting when it comes to finding God's will. So take a deep breath and recall this deeper secret of the Christian life. When you are in a difficult place, realize that the Lord either placed you there or allowed you to be there. For reasons perhaps none for now, only to himself. The same God who led you in will also lead you out. God's will will never put us where his presence will not sustain us. And I want to add, his grace is always sufficient to meet your need. You don't have to abort his mission. In his power, for his glory. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace in Daniel. Robert Morgan says, So if you find yourself in a difficult spot, remember, you were there by God's appointment in his keeping, under his training, and for his time. And all evidence to the contrary, there's no better place to be. So quit quick kicking against the goats, as he told Paul. And Paul writes, Don't do everything without complaining or arguing. These are hard things. Not easy to do. In the great economy of words of Scripture, we are not told much about the deci- why Elimelech made that decision, whether Naomi was agreeable to it or against it. We are only told that the whole family went to live for a while in Moab. He took his whole crew. Distances in the Bible are not measured from one place to another, rather, they are measured as distances from God. They went away from God, they went away from, God. they went away from God's land. They went away from God's place. If Elimelech could not be content with the short allowance of provisions that his neighbors endured, much like manna in the desert, if he could not live in hope that there there would come years of plenty again in due time, or could not with patience wait for those years, it was his fault, and by leaving he dishonored God and the good land he had been given weakened the hands of his brothers by his absence with whom he should have been willing to accept his share, and gave a bad example to others. What we do, we never sin as unto ourselves. Sin has got such far-reaching tentacles that that it, it, it goes on like waves of the sea. Elimelech should have known and trusted that God is able to furnish a table in the desert. Has God ever furnished A table in your desert, so to speak, given laughter in in your pain, joy and peace in your tremendous trials. That is his specialty for his children, who choose to rest between his shoulders. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders." Psalm 37 goes on to say, Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless land flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There's a future for the man of peace. How do we wait? Do we wait in complaining? Do we wait in hopelessness? Do we wait in discontentment, or do we wait in contentment, trust, and hope? It is an evidence of a discontented, distrustful, unstable spirit to be weary of the place in which God has set us and to be for leaving immediately whenever we meet with any uneasiness or any inconvenience. Also, if he would remove, why to the country of Moab? If he had made the inquiry, it is probable he would have found plenty in some of the tribes of Israel, those, for instance, on the other side of the Jordan that bordered on the land of Moab. If he had had the zeal for God and the affection for his brothers, which which became an Israelite, it is likely he would have been persuaded himself to easily go and not go and sojourn among the Moabites. Let's look at the results of his move. It appears that nothing but misfortune dogged his footsteps. First, Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi a widow with two sons in a pagan land, far from home, no friends, no family. All commentaries agree that it was improper for the sons to marry Moabite women. Israelites were not to take foreign wives, yet we read that they did. One married Orpah, the girl with the full mane, if that's her name means, or neck. I hope that means hair instead of a neck. Full <laughs> neck doesn't sound too cute on a girl. And the other was named Ruth, which means friendship, comrade, companion, refreshed as with water. Boy, this she was appropriately named. Ten years pass, and Naomi's two sons die, leaving her a widow with no sons, reducing her into a dejected condition. It seems that both widowed and loss of children overtook her in a moment. Who but God could bring her comfort? Indeed, Scripture most always lists the widows and orphans in the same context, for in biblical times they were the most helpless. It is God alone who has the ability to comfort those who are thus so cast down. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. George Mueller writes, On him, then reckon. To him, look. On him, depend. And be assured that if you walk with him, look to him, and expect help from him, He will never fail you. An older brother who has known the Lord for 44 years, who writes this, says for your encouragement that he has never failed him. In the greatest difficulties, in the heaviest trials, in the deepest poverty and necessities, he has never failed me. But because I was enabled by his grace to trust in him, he has always appeared for my help. I delight in speaking well of his name. Do delight in speaking well of God's name. It brings God much glory when we go through our trials without complaining, and arguing, or bitterness. Naomi held a good affection for the land of Israel. She loved Israel, though Moab had afforded her shelter and supply for a time of need, for her time of need. Yet she had not intended it for it to be her home forever. No land should be that but the holy land in which the sanctuary of God was. Naomi had heard in Moab that God had at last come to the aid of his people, as he always does. The word rendered heard here means to hear and heed, give undivided attention to. There had been an action from the hand of God producing beneficial results for his people, so she set out on the road as soon as she could that would take her back to the land of Judah. Nothing is like so sweet as going home, right? The wording here essentially denotes the movement back from the point of departure. It's the same word as repentance, which means to turn back to the point of your departure. When we turn from sin, we go back to where we were before we sinned. It's not merely, I'm sorry, but it is in the turning It's not saying, I'm sorry, and staying in Moab. It's turning back to God. Naomi desired the way of life that would take them back to God. She was resolved to return home. She had a made-up mindset for obedience. That's what we need. We need the firm resolve, just like Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem towards the cross. We need the firm resolve in our walks with the Lord. Return is a key word used in Ruth. The Hebrew form of this word is used several times in the first chapter. God always comes to the aid of His people in His time for His glory, and now He returned in mercy to His people Israel, graciously coming to their aid by providing food for them in their need. Though His mercy is all the more striking when it comes after famine, yet if we have constantly enjoyed it and never know what famine meant, we are not to think it any less valuable. Sometimes when we get so fat and sassy, we forget to give him thanks about breath in our lungs or our, our arms that are able to work or our or our, our food in our refrigerator or clothes on our back. All of these are his precious gifts and provision for his children. Christians of all people should be the most grateful people, and I find so much that we're not. We blend with the world like this. We don't get what we want when we want it, and we. Just to cry babies. Pray for an attitude of gratitude rather than grumbling. Discontented people are about as pleasant to be around as spoiled milk. Naomi hears the news of plenty in Bethlehem and can think of nothing but returning home again. She had a fire in her feet. Though there were many reasons for being in bad places, yet when the reasons come, we must by no means continue on in them. She had an out and she was going. Forced absence from God's ordinances and forced presence with wicked people are great afflictions indeed. But when the forces cease and such a situation is continued by choice, then it becomes a great sin. Think Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. When he first pitched his tent outside the city and about two verses later he's in the city, he went closer and closer to the sin and destruction, as you know, occurred. The land of Moab had now become melancholy place to Naomi. She lost her sons. She lost her husband. And now she wants to go back home. Now she will go to Canaan again. Sometimes earth is embittered to us in order that heaven may be endeared. Remember, earth is not our home. We are sojourners here. Heaven is... Lastly, we see Naomi selflessly seeking the best for her daughter's-in-law. Out of love, she urges them to return home to their mother's homes, praying over them the Lord's kindness, urging them with a great deal of affection to go back, as it would be much better for them if they did. She knew that their worldly life would be far from pleasant for them, as well as easier for them to find husbands and their welfare in general. It, better, it would be better off in Moab if they returned. Not to go with her was going to be really trying for them. Naomi had no sons and and no home and no prospects of either. This selfless act demonstrated she had their best interest at heart, as it would have certainly been better for her if they had stayed with her. Two were better than one, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This would also, probably unknown to Naomi at the time, proved to be a test of repentance for Ruth and Orpah? Did they truly want to follow? Did they truly want to go back with Naomi? Would they follow after the God of Naomi or their own foreign gods? Father, that's just a pleasant prayer. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you that you're in control of all things. Thank you that no plan of yours can be thwarted. Thank you that you make known the end from the beginning. Thank you that you love us. And that you can, we can trust you with our lives, Lord. We just ask that you would uh, help us to be um, your girls today, and and to do your will and your bidding, Lord, without grumbling and complaining. Help us to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer, for your glory, for our good, through your power. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.